0: Here's one last pop quiz for our graduating class. It's only one question. There's no right or wrong answer, and you can start studying for it when the test begins. Are you ready? Here's the question. What do you need to survive in life? At first, you might answer food, water, shelter, pizza, you know, the basics, and that would be a pretty good answer, but you'd be missing a few essential elements. Okay, here's the cheat sheet. It's three words, faith, hope, and love. Let's start with faith. Where do you put it? Is it in yourself, your gifts, your talents and abilities? Or do you put your faith in the one who came to save us? And then hope. Where do you put your hope? Great relationships, being successful, or making a lot of money someday? Or do you put your hope in eternal things? And finally? Love. The Bible says a lot about love, and Jesus boils it down to this. Love God. Love others. It's not as complicated as we make it. In this world, you are God's hands and feet. You are the ones that get to tell the world about the only perfect love, the perfect love that casts out all fear, faith, hope, and love. You see, when you have those three, even in the darkest times, there's still light that you can cling to and light that you can share. Faith, hope, and love. Let those be the markers that people know you by. And as you go from here, never forget that no matter who you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, God is with you and God is for you. So who can be against you?
1: Well, good morning. Okay, good. We're here this morning. Good. Hey, if you don't know who I am, uh, I'm the student minister here. Uh, my name is Clint, and I'm, I'm just so excited to be able to, to bring God's word to you guys this morning. Uh, if you know me, you know that I value comfort, uh, being in soft clothes. If you're ever on a Wednesday night, you know that I'm wearing jeans and a T-shirt <laughs> 900% of the time. Uh, and so I'm wearing a suit today uh, because we're going to a wedding. Well, my wife's already at a wedding, but, but I'm going to be going to a wedding today. And so just so you know, I didn't wear a suit for y'all, but I still love you. <laughs> uh, but I'm so excited because it's a dear friend of mine and Mariah's. Hallie and David are getting married today. And it just so happened that today of all days is the day that I, we decided to talk about love and love on the move, right? So we're taking a break from where we normally are in Scripture. We're we're actually in 1st and 2nd Timothy right now, talking about the church. And so we're taking a break today on Graduate Sunday to talk about love, love on the move. And it's how fortuitous that I'm going to a wedding later this evening to celebrate the profession of love between a couple, right? Uh, It's funny also because love is, well, this. I've been married now for 11 months, And I'll be married for a year next June. So I'm super excited about that. I love my wife so much. Uh, And so again, another fortuitous reason for talking about love. Uh, Love is one of those things, uh, it's a mini-splendored thing that reached reached 12 of Uh, (laughs) y'all. But it's something that's very important in culture, right? It's something that we talk a lot about. We talk a lot about love. We have songs about them. Taylor Swift, she talks about love a lot. Uh, it's I see you, Katie. Uh, books and plays and movies have been devoted to what love is, right? Defining it, experiencing it. What does it look like? And so it's very interesting that today of all days that we're talking about love and and life in love, right? Mother Teresa dedicated her life to to taking care of lepers, right? And who, if you don't know, they are the like outcasts of outcasts. Even in biblical times, to, to go near a leper was forbidden. And Mother Teresa dedicated her life to taking care of, of lepers, the outcasts, because she believed in the love of Jesus Christ, right, that met her, restored her, and, and caused her to live love out, which brings me right into the aim, right, that our aim this morning is, is three words. It's it, that love lives out. Right? And I left it open to that because love lives out. I could have said love lives out in our marriages, or love lives out at work, or at school. But the reality of what we're called to as Christians is to live out love everywhere. Right? And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John 21. That's where we're gonna be today. We're gonna be in that portion of text. John 21, starting in verse 15. And if you get there, you can just say word, word. Or if you know me, you can say, howdy. (laughs) My students are really good on that one. So in verse 15, here we are. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He says, tend to my sheep. And then again, he says to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Right? So, so where we are, if you don't know, I'm going to go ahead and give you some context because we've been in Timothy, right? And we had Mother's Day previously. So to give you some context, Jesus comes down from heaven, right, God incarnate into the to the form of a baby, right, and he goes about his life, and he be, goes into his ministry, and he calls the disciples, right, he calls Peter from a fishing boat, right? and he calls the disciples out, and then they get to witness Jesus in his ministry and his testimony, affirm that he is the Son of God, right, and they witness the love that he brings to the people who many wouldn't expect, right? He brings it to the leper and to the prostitute. And he changes their lives in knowing him. And Jesus tells Peter, before Jesus is crucified, he says, you will deny me. Peter is, we love him, man. He loves his mouth and he talks really great and we love him for that. And Peter says, I will never deny you. I'd rather die than deny you, Jesus. And he's like, Jesus, you're going to deny me. And sure enough, as Jesus is preparing to go to Calvary, to Golgotha, Peter denies Jesus three times. And so where we are, this is commonly known as the restoration passage of Peter. This is where Jesus says, I'm going to restore you, Peter, where you are. So it's interesting because in the Greek, where we are, there are different uses of the word love. And so in English, we typically say, I love you. That's the word we have. We've got nothing else. It's, we're real articulate with the word love. That's it. And so, but in, in Greek, there's a couple words being used here. One, by Jesus, in the first two verses, is agape. Okay? Agape. It's the word that is used. And Peter says phileo. Now, those two words have a lot of debate surrounding them, many people, especially in these passages, because many people say, well, agape is God's love, and phileo is brotherly love, and so what are we talking about here? And So there's been a lot of scholarly debate about this passage, and I reached out to a professor at the seminary and said, hey, what's going on here? Because Jesus doesn't say agape in the third verse. Jesus says phileo. And so the professor who is a friend of mine reminded me of the reality of that we that I oftentimes find myself in is that I'm too worried about what's being said to see what Jesus is doing. Because what Jesus is doing in this passage when he changes in the third verse and he says, "Do you love me?" and he says, "Phileo" to Peter, he's meeting Peter where he's at to restore him. Okay. It's a long morning, right? Uh, youth minister's up here. He's only talking to the youth, right? He meets you where you're at to restore you. You don't have to clean up to come to him. He restores you. It says in Matthew, he says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest, right? Take my yoke. My burden is light. Come to me and I will restore you. If you're thinking about it this way, Jesus in John 1, 1, right? The entire message of John is pointing back to the fact that Jesus is the son of God. It's just good. You can write that note if you want. Jesus is the Son of God, and that is one of the things that John highlights all throughout the book of John. And so what, what John does in the beginning of John, in John 1.1, 1, 1, is that he says, this is who he is. This is who Jesus is. In the beginning was the Word, right? In the Word came flesh, right? And he says later, he says, everything that has been made has been made through him, through Jesus. So Jesus was at creation and witnessed creation, a part of creation, partaking in creating all things, right? And then as humanity fails and falls away from God, Jesus witnesses it and doesn't just go, okay, and twiddle his thumbs. No, Jesus actively runs down from heaven, gives up all of his glory to become like us, to become mortal, gives up all of his glory to walk around in the dirt with you and me, to show us Love. He suffers, right, for us, to restore us. He meets us where we're at. He got on our level to love us. That's exciting. So when we talk about love, we often look at it like in a very worldly sense. What would the world say that love is? The, the world will often tell us that, that love looks like this. It looks like passion, youthful desire, hormonal. Right? When I was in uh, my allied health program at Texas A&M, one of the things we talked a lot about was uh, the oxytocin. Oxytocin is what they call in science stuff the love-inducing hormone. When mothers are breastfeeding their children, that is a, a common hormone that is expressed through both the mother and the child it, it's, it's what they it's also something that can make you feel sick to your stomach <laughs> so we call it the love hormone but that's not what love is right love isn't just something that's just a hormone it's not just something that's full of passion it's not something that's just for the youth right love is obedient it is submissive it, love is servant it is good it gives up of itself right what does scripture say that love is In Hebrews, it says that that he disciplines those who he loves. Oh, man. Kids, you hear that? When your parents discipline you, they love you. He disciplines those whom he loves. Paul, and if you've been in my youth, you know I quote this a lot. In 1 Corinthians 13, I'm going to turn there for you. 1 Corinthians 13, starting in 1, this is what Paul says, what love looks like and doesn't look like. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but I do not have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Right? And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith so far as to remove mountains, but not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. And then he goes into the, what we always say, because love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. That is what love is in Scripture. No greater love hath any man than this, than to lay down in life for his friends. So love doesn't look like this. The world says that love maybe look like acceptance. Accept me for who I am and my attention. That's what I look for. And that's not what Scripture says. Love lives out. It gives of itself. That's what we're called to, right? It meets us where we're at to restore us. And then it charges us. That's, that's why it's in verse 15, Jesus says to Peter, he says, feed my sheep. Right When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. Feed my lambs. So does love look like just a passion or a feeling? No, it looks like devotion. Servantness. Oh, man. Ephesians. Let's go to Ephesians. Ephesians 5 tells us what love ought to look like in marriage. Wives, submit to your husbands. right? Husbands, serve your wives as Christ served the church. How did Christ serve the church? To the point of death on a cross. And nothing was going to stop him from restoring that which he loved. So, it's It's interesting I know that you're like, "Okay, this is great, but why are we talking about love on graduate Sunday?" Well, and I'll tell you this as I prayed over this, it's something that's important to me is that many of us, especially those of, of us who are being honored today, are going to be stepping into a new phase of life. Right? We're going to be stepping into maybe faith on their own and not their parents for the first time, going into a new place and what do you stand on if you stand on the love of jesus then you know that it calls you to live life differently to live out the love that jesus poured out for you and for those of us who who may not be going to something new maybe we may not feel like it love calls us to uncomfortable places sometimes we we love in america it's very easy for us to go comfort over anything else, complacency. But the reality is, is that that's not what we've been called to. We've been called to live out the gospel, live out that love that gives up of itself. And so I bring it up today of all days because I think it's important what we stand on and what we believe in to drive our life, to impact what we do every single day. And I'll show you this way. If we go further, and starting in verse 18, Jesus says this: "Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted, but when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go." And this he said, to show by what kind of death he was to die to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, "Follow me." Right? So as much as this is a restoration passage of Peter, an example of what Christ does for us as well, this is a charge for Peter. In a few days, Peter's going to preach in front of a multitude of people, 3,000, at the day of Pentecost. Jesus will have ascended into heaven and Peter is now charged with living out the love that he's been called to. And he does, he preaches to the 3,000 people. An uneducated man preaches to 3,000 people in an uncomfortable situation. And 3,000 people come to know the saving grace of Jesus. A few days later, he and John heal a lame man, a beggar, couldn't walk. And then he has to go and, and stand before the officials and the priests and say, but they say him, By what authority do you do this? He says, by the authority of Jesus Christ, whom you crucified. That's the authority of my life. That's the love that guides everything. That love leads us to go and lead our neighbors to know and be changed by Jesus. It's his grace that meets us where we're at, that calls us out of darkness into marvelous light, that we should go and proclaim to the world who Christ is, that he's a a God of love and not of one of hatred. He's one that life imbues from. That when we are in the car, even yesterday, driving to a rehearsal dinner, I'm having to rebuke myself because I did not necessarily love in that moment the guy in front of me. And I did, I had to rebuke myself and say, what kind of love am I showing to the world of what I believe in? Because that love saw me when I was dirty and got down with me and lifted me up. When I was uncomfortable, he came to me and he gave me peace. When all my hope was lost, he came and he gave me hope. That's what we've been called from right, from death into life, and now we're called to live love out in our lives. Uncomfort is often the driving factor to complacency, and I'll say this to you, although we're called to uncomfortable positions, I have a story of my grandfather. My grandfather, Clinton Ray Brost, who's no longer with us, I'm his namesake, my name's Clinton, I tell everyone I'm Clint. That's fine. You didn't need to know that. Anyway, my grandfather came to know Jesus, and when he was a grandfather himself, later he had already known Jesus. But when he was a grandfather, he went to his father, which was my great grandfather, and he asked his grandfather, his his father, he said. Do you think you're going to go to heaven? And my great-grandfather looked at him and said, I've been a good person all my life. And my grandfather said, no, Dad. That's not what this is about. Do you know Jesus? Have you met him? And my great-grandfather came to know who Jesus was before he passed away which is a testimony I'm going to be Brady you can clap church it's okay <laughs> but my grandfather has a testimony of letting his love lead him in uncomfortable positions and tell his father about who Jesus is and my grand my great grandfather has a testimony of you're never too late to receive Jesus It's never too late to walk into light of who Jesus is, who meets you where you're at, no matter how old you are, no matter how young you are. He offers life to you and love to you. I was talking to my dad yesterday about this sermon, telling him about the story that he already knew a hundred times. And he said, well, son, don't you remember when you were four years old, your 84-year-old great-grandmother came to know Jesus the same time you did? And I'm going to see her again in glory. Love invites us in uncomfortable positions at work, in life. When you are going to stand on your own as you leave, what are you putting your faith on? Are you standing on the love of Jesus that changes you? There is victory in love that we are no longer bound by shame. Galatians says that it was for freedom that Christ set us free. And yes, we often know an imperfect love, right? God's word says that perfect love drives out fear. So what does imperfect love do? It invites in anxiety. It reminds us of our imperfection. It creates insecurity within us. We've all felt that terrible pit in the stomach of shame saying, they won't love me if I tell them this. That's not what perfect love does. That's not what God's love does to you. It calls you where you are. Don't miss it. It leads you to lead your neighbors to know and be changed by Jesus. And listen, if you, if, you haven't, if you haven't made the decision to follow Jesus and experience the love that makes no sense, man, we want to invite you this morning to experience that, to come and know who the king is. We want that for you. That you would partake in love that greets you in the morning, in the evening, in your weeping, in your rejoicing, that it drives out fear, that it ignites within you a passion and a glory. This room is wonderful, and I bet we could get 5,000 people on this campus, but what is it worth if we're not living out love and pouring and feeding people? I'm not actually saying go feed someone like right now but I'm saying that we want to be called what we are called to is to go and feed is to go and pray in the car at work in home wherever we are is to live out the gospel of Jesus Christ who sent his himself he came for you for me I don't want us to miss this because it is too easy for us to go back on Monday into comfort and say, that's Brady's job. Ricky does that. (laughs) The love of Jesus Christ saves even me. And now I'm called to respond to it. So let's live out love this week as we stand on our faith for the first time, or as we go into our professions. Let's live out love of who Jesus is. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your mercy and your compassion and your grace that you would love us at our worst, that you would come and you would rescue us when we were broken things, that you would come and make us whole. And yes, we are still hypocrites. But God, I pray that we invite ourselves to run into your love every day and be led by it. That we would be restored in who you are, that you meet us where we're at, that nothing has to wait. That it doesn't matter how old we are, how young we are, that your love greets us and charges us to go and live out the love that gives up of itself. The love that when you were in heaven, you did not wait to pour out upon your people, that you came running down to come and give them peace and give them love and give them life and victory in the name of Jesus over sin, over death, over hell, over the grave. You are mighty and you are good and we thank you. God, use every moment of our lives, to be an example of your glory, that we don't walk out of here today the same, but that we walk a new walk because of who you are and because of what you've done. We love you and we thank you. It's in your son's mighty name that we pray. Amen. Amen.